You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions, or even the answers, are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host... Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, and joining me as always is my trusty co-host, Ben Triplett. Ben, we have big news. Actually, you've been like, I feel like you've been the star lately here. What's up, Holmes? And uh, <laughs> with, with lots of big news, because baby's on the way. And also now you are a therapist with an occupation. Yeah. Or an occupational therapist. An official one now. A fish. Yes. It happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. No, I think that's no, awesome. No more big, gigantic exams to take. So that's... You have, you have made it out nice. the other end of education. Yeah. Do you Somewhat. Feel, do you feel like you're, you're over-educated now? Uh, yeah, that was a lot of... I, I appreciate my education, but um, I'm, I'm done with education for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to, like to put it into practice for a while. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, can, I appreciate it. I enjoy it. I love going through it. But, I'll, but one thing I don't like is paying for it. Yeah, that too. It would be nice to get that, get that out of the way. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a new step into, um, I think when you're, when you're younger, or at least when I was young, I can't speak for anyone else, but you sort of see your journey through life as, you know, I'm going to go to this university or do this degree or whatever you know community college and then after I get that then I'll get a job and and then it's sort of like blank static you know after that that you just have a job um but one thing that was helpful in in our program um and just having work experience uh just knowing that kind of this is just another first step you know towards hopefully like becoming proficient at what I'm doing, you know, just cause you learn something in a classroom doesn't mean you can go out and replicate that in the world. So, but I would tell you in, in that realm of the world, you are far more proficient than I am. So it's about perspective. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be going into mental health. So <laughs> you may be able to diagnose me. Uh, so today we wanted to do, uh, I stumbled on this article. I'm not exactly, I don't know how I stumble into articles. I think we both have these, like, we fall into these black holes of just reading random stuff on the internet. And yes. then, it, you know, it leads from here to here to here. And then you're like, oh, this could be interesting. Uh, this mm-hmm. is an article called Neither Capitalism Nor Socialism, A Third Alternative by John Halstead. And I, I, you know, I mean, that's, I feel like we've been, we're like ramping up for debate season. Mm-hmm. Um, with the presidential election and, you know, both sides kind of like would like to name call each other. Um, and I think like a lot of this article, what it's doing is it's breaking down, this is capitalism, uh, this is socialism. Um, is there something different to offer us? Mm-hmm. Um, and because it is, like the Republicans enjoy referring to the the Democrats as socialists uh, in most of their policies. And on the flip side, you'd see like the Republican policies wanting to have more of a free market, open, capitalistic uh, empire that runs around and takes advantage of everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's completely accurate. but <laughs> Something 
That's, somewhere around there. That, I was actually reading that directly out of Webster's Dictionary, so yeah. um, not at all. But um, Sarcasm. Thank you. Sorry, I was very, and, very tardy on that one. <laughs> no, and, but, but I, guess, I guess what I wanted to do, I guess just framing this whole conversation around, kind of going through some of his points um, in this, but really being able to then talk, what does this look like tangibly? Mm-hmm. Because when we were sitting around pre-show talking about it, um, and I guess I'm already front-loading this with opinions before we've even given you what the <laughs> subject is, but um, we'll be very Quentin Tarantino and tell this out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But with lots uh, of violence and yeah, lots of violence and swearing and yeah. all sorts, all sorts of stuff that we really can't have on the open airs of the radio. But um, no, no. But I, I liked what you talked about this and see, like his alternative that he is um, talking about here is, you know, essentially distributionism? Distributionism? Dis- distributism? I think I like the I way don't you know. Distributism. Distributionism. That's Distribution. Sad. I don't know. <laughs> distributism. Okay, so yeah, that's that tells you how educated we are. We can't even pronounce our main topic of the day. Uh, we'll say just, uh, however you said it, um, <laughs> we'll go with it. Uh, but you'd mentioned his alternative being a little bit pie in the sky, like utopian. Yeah, and well, I, and I, I realized as soon as I said that, it, it, I think utopianism has become a kind of a dirty word now. Mm. Um, I mean, I really, I mean, it literally, it, it reminds me of Thomas More's Utopia, just sort of, uh, this is like the ideal image of what a community could look like. And I mean, mm. that's, a, it's uh, he was Catholic. It's not very, wasn't he? I think Thomas More was Catholic. I believe so. So, um, or I guess to them, he is Catholic. You can't say was. That's um, true. But just sort of a, you know, it's it's building that you know if all of these things were to fall into place, this is what you know a, a godly society would look like, like a good. I use that in a very specific way. Society would look like mm-hmm. so, and it really reminded me of that. It's very, uh, it's one of those things where it, you know I, I think it's uh, it's uh, irresponsible to just critique something by saying that could never happen. Yeah. But it, because, I mean, even sort of ideal images or, you know, those things can have a function. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, my one of my critiques, at least, I guess, channeling maybe the Marx and Marxist in me would say, you know, there's I mean, at least Marx sort of gave a way for his idea to happen. Um, and I don't feel like there's a whole lot of like, what what do we do um, in, in this description. I mean, given it's a, like, what, three-page article, so, I mean, there's yeah. not a whole lot of room to do that. And I don't really agree with Marx's vehicle for, you know, don't feel like killing people is really the way to change things for the good. But, so that's usually, that's your plan B. Right. Generally. That's, that's the 80s action. Um, yeah, that's how it's always in the back pocket. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But no, but... They, so, they were the real Marxists. <laughs> Taking it out. <laughs> Uh, which I will have to. I believe it was, and these are so dumb, but I, I've taken, um, when I see these things pop up on social media, I just like showing them to my wife. They're, um, uh, it's essentially where you take a famous movie scene and then you add uh, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. Oh, wow. That um, reminds me of the Giles theme, goes with everything, but almost mm-hmm. the opposite. No, but it, and so, and, and it just makes everything more dramatic. And so <laughs> I think her favorite one, and she just kept laughing over this, was towards the end of Rambo 2. Hmm. Um, I, the helicopter. Uh huh. Uh huh. Where he? Uh, well, spoiler alert. Well, but. <laughs> I don't think it, it was Rambo wins. 
Yeah, um, I don't, basically. You know, I, well, I think with the a fa- rocket launcher. Yes. Well, I think the ultimate. No, it's before. Yeah, it's it's before the helicopter scene where there's like a guy standing there shooting at Rambo, and he has the. Um, I'm assuming it's an explosive tipped arrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, he uh, does that. It, it's basically where he uses the exploding arrow on like one guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. It is. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's from that point forward, kind of moving on in it, and it it is. It's dramatic. It's beautiful. And I have no idea why that even came into play. Oh, 80s action movies. There we yeah. go. Okay. I feel, yeah, I'm a little ADD today, apparently. But um, no, what Hall said, what, he's, what, he, what he gets at, I mean, I think at the beginning of this, um, and I think we've done this a bit before, but I think some of these, there's some interesting points about how he deconstructs capitalism um, mm-hmm. on the road to getting to this alternative. And, and one thing that I know I really appreciate what he'd written, and, and it's something I think he encapsulated very well. He says, our capitalistic econ- uh, economic system is fundamentally incompatible with a healthy planetary ecosystem. And that's been one thing I've just really been wrestling with. When we, we did the show a little while back about, I guess, again, about a third alternative, you know, voting for third parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to look at, you know, what does it mean to be able to move forward? And, uh, you know, there, there's some good stuff I've seen the libertarians have, but there's also, they don't care about the environment at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think they're, they're very capitalistically minded. Um, yeah, well, I will, yeah, I mean, definitely I have, um, I do know some people that work in, uh, well, one person specifically, and, and granted, I haven't, at this point, he's writing articles that are way over my head, and I, I just don't understand economic theory, so um, there's no way for me to know now. But I know discussing with him a while back, just the sort of hardcore heart of capitalism is this, like, you just sort of trust the system mm-hmm. that the market kind of, like, works everything out. In, it'll, in yeah, a, it'll, in it'll keep itself in system. balance. Yeah, and it, and it tends to, and I mean, I'm not saying that this is completely wrong, but you know, if I, I, th- I know a lot of times he would say, you know, well, there was this problem in history and when the market sort of arose there, then people, you know, had food and, and it sort of made things better. It, it's, I think part, some of the assumptions are, um, that sort of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like, you know, you need to fulfill certain things in a person's life to, for the community to be better. And, um, so, I mean, some of those things are at the heart of it and, but yeah, there's, I think, and he's definitely a libertarian. So he, I think in a libertarian, you know, not every libertarian, but sure. I think in general, you would think, you know, completely just don't worry about the government um, regulation. You just let the market regulate things and that will, you know, sort of self-interest in the market will make things better. Um, and they have math to prove it, but at, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that there are, Plenty of um, plenty of uh, kind of products or consequences of our market that have really hurt places in the in the world. So I, I'm sure that some people would argue that's because it is regulated. And you know, uh, uh, to some extent, I feel like you're sort of interjecting after the fact. You know, saying, "Well, if it would have been perfect, um, you know, it would have worked out and everybody would be happy." But I just don't, you know, I just, I don't tr- trust that really. So. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's certain things that we've had innovations to where like with electric cars and other things of that nature that once things become either popular enough or inexpensive enough, folks will supposedly adopt more. And mm-hmm. so that would be the, you know, the idea that, that, that innovation eventually 
you know, leads to fixing these problems, mm-hmm. which is also the innovation is also market driven. Right. Well, um, it's, I, I just feel, and one of his points, I think in this article is that capitalism doesn't really account for the fact that a smaller amount of people are going to be, you know, sort of generating and, yeah. and that wealth. And, um, and definitely, I mean, in reading through this article, I think he is taking a, a hard, like Marxist, sort of critique of capitalism because he Mm -hmm. does say, you know, capitalism is built around the idea that, you know, few people have, few people control the wealth and then you have a working class. I mean, that's Marx, you know, that's Marx's kind of critique of capitalism, Um, which uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but he doesn't really, I don't think he states that. Um, And I think in the, in the early 20th century, so he's citing certain, um, Catholics, I think, in the early 20th century, throughout the, like sort of the social movement, there's uh, the, like the workers' movement and the Catholic Church, things like that. Um, they definitely were, I, th- I think, um, I don't want to say like driven by Marx, because obviously there's there's a huge disconnect there with Marx not believing in religion or not really supporting religion. Um, but I do think some of those ideas kind of infiltrated Catholic thought. Um, and it was sort of this push for there's kind of a moral, uh, there's a moral, uh, we, we have a moral duty to kind of see what capitalism is doing to the world and try to, you know, work against that or, or, you know, support the workers and support labor and things like that. So, well, which, which does make sense because I mean, when you look at the way, like the Catholic whole system, how the Catholic church is set up, cause they're very much about distributing power. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not about hierarchy or power being held by Sarcasm. few. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, which, which, which is interesting that it erupts out of that. Right. Um, and, and, but even how you were, you were describing, I mean, like you were kind of giving an overview of how he was talking about capitalism in terms of the few having power. I mean, you know, if the few having all the wealth, which is kind of what we're seeing <laughs> happening here in America mm-hmm. uh, going on right now. But but isn't that, you know, that there's the wealthy few and then there's the worker class that don't have... That's kind of like history repeating itself all the time, right? I mean, that's not completely just capitalist... I mean, capitalism's fault. I mean, is mm-hmm. some of that human nature that once you have... Um, it is not your direct tendency to give out to others to make sure others have. You want to try to have security. You want to be able to have comfort. You want to be able to have more, more, more. Um, and the more you get, you end up managing it, whether it be a company or organization or government, and you want to uh, make sure you continue to have power and wealth. I mean, definitely from a Judeo-Christian worldview, especially sort of rooted in the Jewish story, the story of of the Jewish people, um, you do sort of see, you know, you have God and and people, and there's this sort of fluid life where you're like, you know, moving around and living off the land, and and eventually the idea is that people will have land to be able to work, um, but that, you know, eventually the people say, well, we want, uh, you know, we want a king. Um, they, They kind of have like judges uh, who were sort of standing in that place. And it, and again, that's, it wasn't the best system. Judges is like the most violent book in the Bible. Um, but, you know, there's still sort of this fluidity. And then, you know, you have a king uh, once the Philistines come around and there's a lot of conflict and the people say, you know, we, we want a king now because uh, they're looking around at the success of other kings. And then all of that gets concentrated into like one person 
Um, and I just, I find it interesting, uh, you know, reading some of the kind of uh, Christian anarchist um, authors and the way that they read the story, they see that, you know, all along the point was for people to not have to be sort of ruled, but that they keep like wishing that upon themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, and that's definitely, I think, in the kind of the post-Marxist, like um, people like Foucault would argue that people just like wish fascism on themselves, um, even though we do that kind of implicitly. But, you know, the, yeah. And, and then when you sort of tie in that, sorry, I'm going all over the place here. When you tie in sort of the American dream, uh, the American narrative or whatever, then that's that's sort of replaced with this idea that, you know, somebody's going to be ruling, and if I work hard enough, it'll be me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of tied in with, like, American identity that, you know, the people who work the hardest end up on top. Um, so, And I think one of the kind of good things about questioning capitalism or, or questioning American identity is why does there some, need to be someone on top? Um, and that's where, yeah. when we're getting into this idea of distributism, it kind of gives a different, like, goal or target point, I think. So you're saying the goal is not to have your name on top of a building? Yeah, in New York City. Yeah, is that, no, okay, <laughs> that's second, okay, that's, that was my first, second side note, too. You, or, you, or a foundation. <laughs> that, that's, that's very true. Thank you for balancing that out. Yeah, um, b- both like to funnel money um, for the benefit of the person whose name is on the title of those things. Hello. Um, but you said this earlier about the, uh, the book of Judges being the bloodiest book in the Bible. What, I'm going to push back a little on that. If we're, if we're going for, like, body count, like, just raw body count, or are you just talking, like... I wasn't going like, body like, count. I was going like more just, on Just, like, narrative, narrative violence, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. I mean, people's bodies, like, women's bodies being cut up into pieces and sent all over and just... I mean, you know, things being driven, smashed through people's heads. That I, re- I read it to my children every night as I'm tucking <laughs> them into bed. Sarcasm. And their heads were smashed against the rocks. Good night, honey. <laughs> Sleep well. Yeah. Uh, no, so yeah, but what is it? What, what were you go for? Like, a body count in the Bible. Body count? Probably yeah. David, I Th- guess. You think David? I, I mean, I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Is it, you mean, like, not Jewish bodies? Yeah, I'm just saying, just in general. Jewish bodies. I, I don't, I don't know because I mean, a lot of Jewish people died, I guess, in the, in the exiles. I, I, I don't know. I was going to. I'm not a historian. Okay, so. I was, I had, I, I was setting you up for this one too, because I would assume, and I don't know if this, this is fair, that wouldn't you say Revelation, would have the best raw body count. Hmm. I don't know. That's the, a good point. Well, it depends on how you translate it too. If is this Tim LaHaye's revelation? Yes, that's what I, well, that's that's what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. To where yes, this many people are all gone. Yeah, but that's that's all for another show, right? And the rest of them are left to burn and mm-hmm. be hacked up, and then have to watch Kirk Cameron movies till the end of time. Yeah. Wait, no, those are the winners. They get to do that. Nick Cage movies. Okay, I can go with that. Yeah. It was really sad. My kids were. Um, uh, I don't know. Your your wife has gotten my kids into all the sorts of weird stuff, and my daughter was looking through Netflix trying to figure out like what Nick Cage movies are on there, and he's done so many movies lately that I've not watched nor have I desired to watch. Like you know, th- there was like the, there was a phase where he was a like um, action he was guy, legit. and then yeah. legit guy won an Academy Award, and 
And then somehow it was like, I, I really just need a paycheck. Yeah, then he turned into like Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> or Charlie I mean, Sheen or something like that. Yeah, and just cranks him out like no one's business now nowadays. And I don't really understand what it is, but I was noticing that was like the majority of what Netflix had. <laughs> he just, I don't know, he has a persona. And I feel like so much in Hollywood is about like the decisions you make. And I think you just make one or two decisions and it sets you down a path. He had actually bought a dinosaur skull. Really? Yeah. And then... And lived in it? No, I don't know. <laughs> but, I, but I know that then they found out that it was actually stolen. So he had to give it back and he lost his money. So You're kidding. I'm Is not joking. A it's story? a real story. Yeah, it's wow. a real story. Yeah. Because who wouldn't want, I mean, hey, I guess if I would, I guess if you get paid millions of dollars and you're saying, if I do this crappy movie, I will reward myself with, <laughs> treat a, with a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah treat <laughs> with yourself with a dinosaur skull. Because that's just, that's up there. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. Circling back to that. I don't capitalism. know. It, <laughs> capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. That would be, you know, the fact that Nick Cage is, I don't know. But, um, but one thing that, that I, I, did, I did appreciate that they're pointing out in this article was that um, when you begin to kind of set, seat these two things side by side, socialism and capitalism, you know, they're both systems that still the power is in the hands of a few. Mm-hmm. You know, to where socialism, it's bigger government. So government is controlling the power right. um, over the system. Or you just have the power of the few there, but it's still being consolidated and the people still get it the raw end of the deal. And... Uh, and, yeah. I, and and sort of, I guess, the other side of that is I think both systems assume within themselves if everything were to go right, then the ideal image of my system is, you know, this or this. So in, in capitalism, it would be, um, you know, everyone sort of, there is self-interest, but it's self-interest that benefits everyone. Yeah. And then on the socialist side, it would be that, yes, there's government intervention, but it's, that would you know, basically help people when they need it. Sure. Um, but then I, I would, you know, just sort of push back, like, what are the real effects? What have we seen thus far? And, I mean, regardless of whether you feel like an unregulated market would, you know, turn out in, in some great way, how is that different than utopia, you know, where... Sure. I mean, we haven't gotten there, and there's there are reasons for that. So, you, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of... I, I've pulled out of the actual debates of what go on, you know, with, uh, and I, I guess all I hear is what people yell on Facebook. So. Well, it will, it will, well, uh, okay. You, yeah. My mind just keeps going different directions. No, but, but one thing that I, th- that I think it's lost in these discussions, even I think with, within even what Marx was talking about. I mean, when we look at these, we're only talking about these on small scales, meaning that like the U S being a, having a capitalistic economy, you know, and, and the utopia that it could be for us, but we don't think about the consequences of what it does to other countries. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like for us to, for, uh, we are a very materialistic capitalistic society. We are very driven by getting things and trying to get ahead. Um, but especially what comes of this, the whole buying and selling part of it, uh, the consumerism part of it ends up taking a toll on other countries, you know, either being through our waste uh, it being through our outsourcing things to other countries and uh, kind of propping up other systems that abuse people as well, too, you, to where, you know, you have, like, uh, people working in sweatshops, um, poor working conditions, and a lot of that's all fuel just out of our own consumptive desire. Or if, you know, I mean, even this might not be a valid argument, but the fact that, you know, we have this sort of 
abstract designation of wealth in the dollar that has made its way into other countries to buy like you know cocaine or something like that and the effects of that someone's been watching narcos hello yeah <laughs> so i don't know i you know just watching these different um i mean uh, to me the sort of the one that i've always feel guilty about and uh, is like air conditioning mm-hmm. um you know just i'm i'm sure that it's not that's not the worst thing that's happening in the world i don't you know go around wondering who's running their air conditioning and judge them but it that to me is in my brain for some reason that's the example of like technology for the good i mean yes it's it's like stop the spread of the mosquitoes um it has it, you know it helps people not die of heat exhaustion in certain parts of the world but at the same time i think we've gone too far in that we sort of abuse it and again this isn't the worst thing in the world but you know uh, there are just these things that we consider um kind of good uh benefits of you know our our research and our self-interest that i think we've taken too far you know or something maybe like uh meat for example um you know the the production of meat i think we're i mean for one we're just using way too much water um in cattle production we don't need as much red meat as we have um you know we consume way more than we need and it costs so much energy and so much water for us to to kind of be on this path. So just another example of it's not the you know it's not evil that people eat red meat. I, I don't think I know that some people would argue that, but at the same time, it's it's the degree to which and there's no sort of compass for us to be able to kind of rein that back in. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, and that's not. I mean, that's there aren't those kind of checks that we're saying. But the market regulates it out, right? Like right. it, everything just balances out. Like, I mean, how how does that speak to obesity? How does that speak? You know, like problems like that, like how we eat mm-hmm. um, and how we live. No, no, that's the market will it'll it'll regulate it out. Right, or you companies know. that just sort of like will play on our body's chemistry so that we get like addicted to things. And you know, I, I probably sound crazy right now, but I just feel like these are sort of the extremes to which. Um, self-interest can drive us and then they create new problems and we have to keep you know throwing band-aids on all of these problems when well, no, i would agree with you because i think that i think that there's addictive chemicals in checks mix that makes me keep eating it so yeah. i would agree it's insidious sarcasm no no i really do <laughs> are you addicted to checks mix i i can be there's a bowl i have a hard time saying no i'm addicted uh, to nintendo okay <laughs> I've not eaten that yet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, did you know that also, side note, that um, the whole, uh, uh, I guess, Mac rollout, their big... Oh, of Mario? Yeah, you heard about Mario? It's like a, yeah, something. I'm, I'm guessing... It's an, I, it's an iOS detail. game. Yeah, it's... Is, well, isn't it going to have something to do, like, tracking your walking or something? And Maybe, I'm not sure. I feel like that... Completely. Will, it's kind of like Pokemon, where, you know, you're... The more you walk or the more you move, it it benefits you in the game. Maybe Something I'm not like sure, that. but it is. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't. Are people still doing that? What Pokemon? Yeah. Oh, I'm like sure. Pokemon Go. I mean, as much as it was. My wife is okay. <laughs> I always gauge it because my kids have kind of like the. Well, uh, I don't know if this is where this fits into the whole conversation. My 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 son figured out a hack for Pokemon Go, Mm-mm. where it well, it's not really a hack of the. Of don't the, tell which one because it's illegal. Oh, it's not actually a hack of Pokemon Go. It's actually a hack of your GPS. Right. So he's been running around 
getting pokeballs and fighting people in uh, like Paris mm. and things of that nature. Okay. Yeah, but at that point, it kind of, it kind of, it's kind of, it's one of those things like with with hacks and things like that. It's fun for a little while, then you're kind of like, eh, what's the point now? Yeah, like the God Code in yeah. a game. Yeah, you do it for like ten minutes, and it's like well, this has lost its. It is totally lost it. Point. Much like our us right now. Um, <laughs> no, but I like I like how Thanks, you. Thanks, capitalism. I, I, <laughs> no, but but I like how you're bringing it up because one, when we begin to talk about these, um, and when people write about them, they're doing it in an idealistic sense, you know, in, in a perfect scenario, in a perfect world. Um, but what we have to begin to do is talk through these things where we're at right now in history. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like that we can like say, Oh, let's hit the reset button. Start over. So how would you, know? you how would you describe distributism then? Okay. So yes, I will, I'll, I'll use a few of his words, um, to do that. But, um, yeah. Um, I guess that's probably the easiest. I think we've one. knocked. I guess we've knocked yeah. on capitalism a lot. Maybe should I know. We, should we knock notes. on socialism a little? We bit? can knock on socialism. I mean, uh, I mean, I think ultimately it failed. Yeah. <laughs> womp womp. End of story. Does that work? Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't know if we need to keep you know going over that, but I think that uh, you know some of the points he has in here with uh, with distributism is that you know it's really focusing on small um, local scale as as opposed to global scale. Um, for what you're making, um, for the land. Well, yeah, that's, I guess the land is a big issue too, correct? Um, okay, so here's, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hop right into that too. I was getting ahead of myself in that. So he asked, hey, so what does this actually look like? Um, well, private property would still exist, uh, but most property would be owned by families. Small family-owned farms and artisan businesses um, would produce most goods. Most people would would grow at least some of their own food, and the rest would be produced uh, as locally as possible. So, I mean, we're seeing like it's you know it has these ideals of of us being connected to the land um, and, and interconnected and dependent upon one another. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other points I'm missing that you're thinking of in this? I mean, uh, well, the like, government would sort of the the purpose of the government would be he says to provide mutual defense ensure that human rights are respected and foster uh, cooperation amongst uh, smaller political units. Um, So I was, I was wondering like, how is that going to work? I I feel like maybe, you know, as a solution, which I think some people are, are kind of wondering about now, maybe de-incentivizing government positions. Um, You know, I, I saw one of those little, you know, share this if you don't, you know, want bad luck for seven years kind of thing <laughs> floating around on Facebook. Um, Does that still work on you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I haven't clicked on anything on Facebook in like 10 years. Okay. You're um, terrified. So it, it was something like, you know, if we, if, if this post just reaches a hundred people and we get so many petitions, Oh yeah. Okay. That kind of thing. Basically yeah. they were saying we should cut, um, the budgets of certain government positions, which, I mean, you know, uh, to be fair, I think really, I don't think that they make enough money in their salaries for that to make a huge difference in our debt. Sure. Um, I think it happens more kind of outside the bounds of those salaries. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, if we, there, there needs to be some D, this isn't going to be a word, de-incentivization. We need to de-incentivize some of these positions because you know when when you're in that position 
you kind of are able to make the rules, you're able to pull the strings, then there's, there is going to be a lot of wealth or too much kind of coming in your direction. And then more people are going to want to do that. Yeah. Whereas if you do want more people, you know, growing food or with sort of taking care of these smaller units, you're, you're going to have to give them a reason to do that. So, yeah. And so like, I think the core heart of the stuff that he's talking about here, I don't disagree with, you know what I mean? The, the idea of like care for one another, care for the earth, um, kind of, yeah. I mean, people looking out for one another. I mean, again, I don't disagree with the heart that's behind all of this, but, but what, where I get to, and I think you brought this up too, when we were talking before the show is, you know, how do you do this? Like, how does that even move forward? Like, you know, the idea of one, I mean, are we, do we have to redistribute the land? You know what I mean? Or is it, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and all these kind of things, like it, I don't even know where you would begin to walk down the road towards this kind of stuff, which, you know, you'd use the word utopian earlier. Um, and these are great. I mean, I feel like a lot of these ideas are wonderful, but they're great, like, for people to philosophize about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As opposed to actually doing this. Like, you know, I know there are, like, in smaller areas, movements for uh, for kind of homesteading, um, right. you know, which is, you're doing that right now. I mean, we've done that in the past. And, you know, where you begin to try to have gardens and raise your own food and do better for the environment, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, so I think there are, like, especially, or, you know, eating local, eating green, those kind of movements that happen around mm-hmm. around there. But it ends up still being a vast minority, you know, compared to the majority of consumers that we're dealing with right now. So I think that, like, if you were to, like, hypothetically, right, we get in, uh, it doesn't matter who the president is, and they say, all right, we're going to divide the land back and give it to people, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I, I don't know that that would ever happen or ever go well. Um, and mm-hmm. then next, you know, if you were to say, fine, we're going to give you land. And what I want you to start doing is kind of really start raising your own crops and, and like come up with your own craft, you know, that you're going to go there. I, I just I don't see people being excited about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, hearing you describe that made me think I, I did read a book on at the uh, encouragement of one of my colleagues a year ago about the. And I'm so bad with history and dates and names and all that stuff, but just sort of the history, I guess, of Palestine and the conflict between the uh, Jew, Jewish and Muslim people, quote unquote, in in Palestine. But hearing you describe it in that way, sort of the government taking or a government taking the land and then breaking it up and saying, OK, now everyone has this, this and this. Uh, that's kind of what happened, I think, after yeah. World War Two in Palestine. And we can see how that is, you know, not working over there right now. So, um, and again, I think it, I mean, it is sort of an easy critique to say, well, this could never happen. Sure. Um, But I do think when you offer ideas, sort of you offer a critique of what is, and then you say, this is what should be, this would work a lot better. This is kind of what God tends towards more Mm -hmm. um, and give no way to get there. It's that also is kind of irresponsible. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think with a lot of these, I mean, I think really, I mean, if you get to the heart of this, because again, the heart of this was, was really about the individuals like taking care of families and taking care of neighbors and really being interconnected in that way. And I think that there's small ways we can start doing that now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that for this to happen on a large scale, I mean, I I don't see anything like that ever happening. You know what I mean? Like we, I feel like the, you know, the game's already, 
I mean, it's trying to change your game plan, you know, after you're pretty invested, uh, you're pretty far into the game, you know, moving forward. And yeah. it doesn't always, you can't always be like, mm, can we just like have a mulligan here and start over? It, it doesn't really work like that. And especially like, I would even say a lot of these, these ideas are not even very attractive to people. I mean, if you look at mm-hmm. uh, the way the the people consume. Um, you go into a grocery store because you want to be able to have an option to be able to eat whatever you want at whatever time you want. You know, I mean, it's even mm-hmm. crazy to think about how we can go in there and I can get, uh, I can get fruit that is not even in season um, in this hemisphere. Right. You know, whenever I need it for a recipe, right when I want it. And so I think some of that, um, I don't see Americans giving up their need for immediacy anytime soon. I don't, I don't, I think that that's going to continue to get worse. You know, mm-hmm. we're now having, I mean, we're developing drones to be able to deliver pizzas or deliver things from Amazon. Right. You know, I, I think that we've come to a point where like when people are waiting in line for just a few seconds, you have to get on your phone and start doing stuff because we are impatient. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are not, I feel like we've moved away just fundamentally as being a people of process. You know, we don't, we don't want process. We want it right now. Like we, we want it like figure out how we can do this. Like, um, you know, or, you know, I mean, I, I so I, I feel like we're, we're moving in a direction very counter to having us more connected to the earth. Um, and I, and I think that we can see what's happening, especially with what's happening with the environment now, that, um, this is where this has led us to. So I think that again, and I, and I know I'm not trying to like throw cold water onto the whole thing. Um, but I am saying is I think it has to start small. I think within small communities of people that are not trying to, to live outside of life or try to be utopian, I think you have to still be engaged with others, you know? Um, I think being engaged in a community of people, but I think it also needs to do, which again, I think you can bring in the the Christian ideals and ethics that you go out and you live in and amongst uh, folks that aren't like you. Um, and you're there to help them and to hopefully um, bring, I don't know, I mean, you know, you know, bring positivity into their life, bring good things into their life as opposed to just being like everybody else. And that, again, I guess I'm talking about this in a very pie-in-the-sky way. It's really hard to do that <laughs> in this conversation yeah. and not get to... Um, I don't know, get too dreamy or fluffy. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Deleuze. I know I've mentioned that on the show before. And when he, in his critiques of capitalism, he talks about how capitalism as a system kind of abstracts and then conquers like everything in its path. Um, And just, you know, even sort of describing like homesteading that happens now and these sort of smaller movements, I mean, they're happening within capitalism. Sure. Um, that's that's kind of what you're describing, and that's one one thing I find appealing about Stanley Hauerwas. Um, not to just turn into a, I'm, I'm not like a Hauerwasian fanboy. I know I mentioned him a lot on the show. Um, even you, you do have a Duke. tattoo, yes, of his you face do. on my back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, on my lower back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so he yeah, make sure. I, I no, but I actually, I don't think you should. No, I like it because you know <laughs> when you pull up your shirt in the back, it's just like. You just see like his nose and up, like above your your <laughs> belt peaking. line. He is, and he, he looks kind of crafty. And you just don't know what's going down below. So it's kind of <laughs> like all like, hey, what's going on, Stanley? But he, uh, yeah, he. I don't know. I, I appreciate that one thing he critiques is this sort of notion of like false peace because I feel like people do tend to kind of follow like an ideal image of what they think you know the world should look like and. Even even in this description, I think there is some of that. 
it's sort of setting up this, you know, well, if only we do X, Y, and Z, then the world will look like God wants it to look. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's fair. Um, I don't know if he's going that far, but I know Howard Wass says, you know, he's a, he's a pacifist and he's not saying, you know, if we just stop being violent, the violence will end. He just says, Jesus was not violent and we need to not be violent. And I, I kind of appreciate that approach that, you know, it's the the systems of capitalism and, and the system of socialism, I don't think really are kind of aiming at what God was aiming at or what Jesus was aiming at in establishing the kingdom. And that that's what we should aim at, regardless of whether we think we're going to like set up God's kingdom by doing that. Mm-hmm. That's our witness to what we see in what Jesus was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting, too. He does. He mentions in this article, he says, uh, distributism sees economics as a subset of ethics. Well, so did capitalism. You know, so, yeah. well, c- capitalism can't think, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the founders of capitalism and the founders of socialism and, you know, Mar- Marxism, it, it, uh, they're all seeing this as ethics. They're all seeing this as like the best way for people, you know, that sort of, uh, not that, you know, they were thinking this directly, but I think with capitalism, you have this sort of utilitarian idea that, you know, that everyone sort of follows like after a subset of the good to achieve like the maximum good. And it's very mathematical and abstract. And I think that kind of goes nicely hand in hand with uh, capitalism and then Marxism itself. I mean, it's pretty easy to see that he was, uh, you know, not that Marxism is socialism, but socialism as sort of a subset of Marxism. Um, it's, it is, it follows this ethical idea that we should help people. So, I mean, they're both trying to be ethical. And I think that's one of the tricky things and what we need to be careful with in ethics is that we're not aiming necessarily at this sort of abstracted image, this like ideal of what we think the good should be. It's, you know, what are you doing right now? Mm-hmm. What choices are you making? Um, you know, and, and I, I might be getting Howard Wass wrong, but I think that's part of what he's, he's critiquing in ethics right now is that we just always aim at these sort of fake things when we really should be asking, what am I, what am I actually doing? And is that, you know, a good choice or a bad choice? Well, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right with that because again, what we're, what we really spent most of the time here doing is we're critiquing, you know, either all these ideological systems and ideological systems are not the same thing as making personal daily choices. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's, I mean, we're, we're talking about these, these hypothetical blankets we can throw over that will change everything. And, and in order to, to push these one way or the other, it really comes down to, again, what we were talking about, like this whole division of power. Um, meaning that for us to be capitalist, or, boom, explosion here in the studio. Um, that was me knocking my water bottle off. <laughs> I, I talk with my hands too much, apparently. No, but I mean, I think that when we talk about these in the, in the, in, as abstracts, mm-hmm. um, we talk about these as systems that um, in, in, in most of these ways, they, the way to walk towards them or for them to actually happen, there has to be some sort of amount of, of uh, someone having power mm-hmm. and that power forcing this upon other people. Um, you went back into talking about the idea of like with, I think you were synthesizing Hauerwas talking about the importance of choice. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, for us, just the common person that we're not politicians, uh, we're not trying to grab power or any of that. I think it does come back to saying like, what are the ethical choices that we're making on a regular basis? 
you know, do those embody a system that is somehow helping us to be better? Um, do are these choices that we're making, do they come at the, uh, well, do they, do they create harm to somebody else while they benefit us? Um, and so I think it, it again, cause when we talk about these things in such large scopes, uh, the common person has no, has no handle on that. You know, I mean, it's the kind of stuff you can talk about, like while you're at a bar having a beer with people, but you're not going to go back. All right, well, I'll just leave the bar and I'll go make sure communism happens today. Mm-hmm. Or you, to be, you know what I mean? To be to be more fair, I guess to Howard Wass, um, because I, I really doubt he listens to this show. But if he did, he would say I'd probably be cursing right now. Um, it's more not necessarily making a choice, but bearing witness. I know he likes to I use gotcha. that okay. language, so yeah. it's it's sort of what story are we living into? Like what? Wh- which way are we pointing with our lives? And you know, are we pointing at capitalism? Are we pointing at socialism? Are we pointing at the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think along with that, what are we putting our hope in too? Yeah, uh, moving forward, you know, like I, yeah, you're saying like yeah, what are we what are we living into? Like what, um, what is that hope? What what ideal are we moving towards mm-hmm. on on a day by day basis? Um, you know, which has to do with us bearing witness, us making choices, all these other things that are involved in it too. Because I think even you know to some extent, and this probably is going to get way we don't have enough time to talk about this, but even the idea of a choice, I think is kind of pointed at a false image. So say more. Well, just the idea that I I think I'm not saying that no one has will, and this is getting into really murky stuff, but uh, I think sometimes we tend to set up, especially in the West, the will as this abstracted thing that is, it's, it's completely apart. That's how we define it. It's, not influenced by things. Which, oh, yeah, yeah. Which I think is, that that is a, a false image as well, that we are part of traditions, we're part of habits, routines, the, the language we use is embedded within social contexts. There are so many strings and flows and things going on around us that we're living into mm. that to say, you know, when, when it comes down to this little abstracted moment in my life that I'm going to go this way or that way, that that's me choosing something I think is also just sort of building a fake. I mean, sometimes it's useful to talk like that, but Mm -hmm. I think ethics is built. Some ethical systems are built around that. And definitely Howard Wass would not, uh, he, he, he's, uh, influenced by a man named Alistair McIntyre and, and, McIntyre is all about just the the traditions and sort of the language and the the rhythms of life that we're living in and how those things define, uh, you know, make intelligible our lives. And so it's really important that we see all of that stuff uh, when we're talking about ethics, I guess, or our words are just not going to make any sense mm-hmm. if we try to get outside of that. That's it's not doing justice at all. But I just thought I'd try to par- problematize the word choice a little bit. No, you're right. I mean, there's there. Yeah. I mean, when you begin to break down even kind of like social constructs, um, social pressure and kind of how we've been groomed to think a certain way and do a certain thing. I mean, and you're right. I mean, think of like, I guess the ways that capitalism has messed with the way that we, um, buy things, uh, the way Mm -hmm. that we, um, you know, even especially to where like, what is it? Um, like programmed obsolescence, I'm saying it wrong. But, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, years ago we would have electronic devices that would last for 10 years. 
Right. Um, right, and nowadays, right. just because the fact that we, one, n- new things come out all the time, mm-hmm. and we don't want to be left behind. We want to have the newest things. You know, it, 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 yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's, it's totally changed the way that we even look at things. And, um, well, even, and you see this the most, I mean, and, and I guess I, I think one, one interesting way to be able to look at a culture is to be able to look how their children act. Um, because it's just, it's, it's a simpler way of doing it. You know, the immediacy of what they need, you know, mm-hmm. um, how they're consumer driven, how advertising works, how it changes their mind. I mean, you, you can look at it like, I mean, middle school or high school is a Petri dish for all of culture in a certain sense. Hmm. You know what I mean? Cause it's, it, it's somewhat of a closed system. You can watch, I mean, you can see how there's the haves, there's the have nots, you know, there's the styles or trends that make you look better. Uh, the things people strive for and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, a lot of times you're not going to go back to th- to saying, you know, do high school uh, high schoolers make great decisions, right? Um, no, but I think, but if you were to take a larger step back, do adults make you know great decisions? No, mm-hmm. I mean, um, when we look at this, I mean, do we really ever progress from high school? <laughs> I think we just move on. Um, but I think I mean, I'm, I'm trying out for football this year. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Well, it, it, you know, because what sarcasm. Oh, I thought I don't you know were, if that was even necessary. Hopefully, people would understand. No, I, th- I thought you were well. Most okay, Ben. Most of your life, you've really been following in the footsteps of Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. And if Tebow can get signed on uh, for minor league baseball, mm-hmm. I think you can try out for high school football. There's going to be a church somewhere that has a like. What, what are they called? The fat heads? The things you put bobbleheads? Oh, oh no, 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 the no, big no. like decal thing you stick on your wall. They're gonna put have Tebow as their touchdown Jesus. <laughs> you think it's not touch? He's gonna be home run Jesus now. Oh yeah, he's in baseball. I yeah, about that. It is. I don't know how long that experiment will last, but um. <laughs> how long did it last, Michael Jordan? Well, I don't know. They they say he has more skills than Michael Jordan did, and, but I okay. again, I don't, I don't. I mean, Bo Jackson did it right. Yeah, he did. I think he, yeah, but he did. He did. He, I think he played both through college, though. And Deion Sanders again, didn't, again, didn't he play? again. I think he played them both in college. Oh, like Tebow hasn't played played it since high school. Russell Wilson wasn't allowed to, apparently. Mm. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't even see the point. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of capitalism, Tim Tebow. No, um, <laughs> I don't know how we got there. Um, no, but you're right. But and, and so I mean, I think that. To synthesize this, you know, to kind of bring this somewhat to a close, like, I, you know, I don't want to, to really make this sound like we're trashing these ideals uh, because I do think that they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the intent, I think um, the world that they are seeking to make, um, I don't think that there are bad things um, in that. And, and I think that we do see small movements of this um, in little micro settings around here. I even know like in Carborough, um, I have a friend that uh, is trying to get like an alternative currency system going. Mm-hmm. Uh, like alternative to Bitcoin? No, 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 not even like Bitcoin, but something to where like you, it's kind of like us, but something along the lines where, you know, this person provides a service and you can, um, and then you do a service for them. And it's kind of like a barter exchange. Hmm. Maybe that's what I'm trying to, yeah, it's a barter okay. exchange system. I'm not. You know, he would probably be mad at me for describing it in such a foolish way. But yeah, it, it is. He's looking to establish a barter exchange system type of thing. Um, they've done this in other countries as well. So, you know, so to say that these, ide- you know, these I- idealistic systems don't work, um, I, I, I think would be also 
wrong, but I think that we have to, again, one of the things that they were leaning towards on the system was beginning to look at small, mm-hmm. beginning to look at local, beginning to look at that, because really for that's the, that's the place that we can have the most change. Yeah, I think uh, there or ability to change. There it's it's not I don't mean to poo-poo the whole thing. It's just I think <laughs> the the point at which I tend to to cringe a little bit is when people put an ism um yeah. out that they throw out some sort of term for their and and it's not his idea. He's actually I mean he cites other people who have came up with the ideas behind distributism. Yeah, like but, Chesterton, and um, there's a few other people mixing Pope, here. Yeah, some of the popes. Yeah. Um, oh, this. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that. But just the idea that even there is an ism, it's it's an interesting question in and of itself, and that tends to send up a little red flag in my brain. Well, it's funny that that a lot of these ideas came from a pope, mm-hmm. who is atop a system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where and, there's so much power. In that. That is consolidated in that system. So much wealth, so much decadence, so much. All. And again, I'm not. We're not saying the current pope. This is a former pope. But you know what I mean. Like the, it, it's it's also kind of. I don't know. It, it oftentimes feels weird when you get these powerful, wealthy people that are philosophizing about what is the greater good of the of the peons, like Warren culture. Buffett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does that prickles me a little bit. That I mean, it's really easy for you to talk about that because you're. You don't have to work anymore. I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't, but I mean, come on, dude. I don't want you talking for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the idea behind the Pope was, uh, again, there, and I think some of the Popes have definitely embodied looking out for those who don't have power and those who don't have wealth. Um, and maybe that's why you, it, it's, even though it's ironic that you do have this top heavy, institution promulgating these ideas that that's what it's supposed to do. That's how it's supposed to work. Mm. So at least thankfully there were, and I I have friends that are Catholics that are very much moved by some of these ideas. And it's, uh, it's nice to be able to share, you know, to have common ground with people in in different traditions and things like that. So isn't the movie spotlight about this, about the altruistic nature of the Catholic church? Oh, okay. I, d- I didn't. I d- it just occurred. I was trying to think. What a spotlight! I no. can't. I'm so like out of the movie scene right now. But it's quite. An, it's an interesting film. But yeah, that's about the sex scandal. Sorry. Yeah. I, I just sarcasm. It's like a really late one because I didn't get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So final thoughts on this. Like what? Like again, I think like the one of the things that we were both critiquing is the fact that you, when we get into the land of isms, um, those don't give people much to do. Mm-hmm. you know, um, or to embody or to, um, to do that. So I don't know. I mean, what, what are your, what are your final thoughts as we approach the end of this hour? I just think, I, I do think it's good to entertain, you know, listen to criticisms, but also just be careful that you're buying into some other solution and to really see, you know, what's feasible for me to be able to do. You know, I'm, when I was uh, five or 10 years ago, I was railing against uh, government and all that sort of the idea of government. But I mean, you know, how much good is that really doing? Sure. Um, so just kind of looking at what are the choices available to me or what are, what are, what's in my life and kind of what would witness to what Jesus wants in this world. And I think that, yeah, ultimately we have to just remember that these, these kind of blanket things that, 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 that are isms 
um, sw- switching from one to the other doesn't fix problems. Mm-hmm. It just creates a whole other set of problems. And so I think that, you're, again, it goes back to what do we do on a local, smaller basis? And actually do something. Yeah. Instead of just having a radio show and talk about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that as we get to the end of this broadcast, just a reminder, you can catch us on podcast at www.snarkyfaith.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, that is all we have this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again next week. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Aqueduct Conference Center was established in 1978 as a peaceful destination for small group meetings, special events, conferences, retreats, and weddings. For more information, go to www.aqueductcc.com. We are also sponsored by Lumen. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be better than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.